without knowing what my career could be, I had to keep taking those blind steps forward. And I'm so thankful that I did because, you know, who knows like <laughs> what, what I would be doing now. And I would forever kick myself not knowing the full length of that path. And it is still unfolding. So, and that's the most exciting thing I think about being an entrepreneur is like there's no end to that journey. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friends, I know you love discovering new podcasts as much as I do. That's why I wanted to start sharing some of my favorite shows that I've been binging on lately. Today, I wanted to let you know about the Tao of Self-Confidence, a podcast hosted by Sheena Yap Chan. As an Asian woman myself and being a guest on Sheena's podcast, I can absolutely say that the stories she shares are incredibly impactful not to be biased or anything, but so if you want to hear amazing stories of Asian women being able to overcome their challenges to be the confident women they are today, check out the Tao of Self-Confidence or visit the thetaoofselfconfidence.com where you can also get a free report on eight ways to boss up your confidence. On this episode, I speak to Kelly, who is an inspirational nonfiction writer and a woman's travel industry maven. She's also the author of Tell Her She Can't and the founder of Go Girl Guides, which publishes the world's first series of travel guidebooks for women. She's also the founder of Women's Travel Fest, an annually sold-out conference for women who travel and James Lee, a women's tour company. Listen on to find out how Kelly has been able to lead a community of badass women who refuse to believe that anything is off limits. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to be with my guest today, Kelly. Hey Kelly, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Totally. So I am an entrepreneur in the women's travel space. And uh, it took me quite a bit of time to get the confidence enough to leave my job, which at the time was bartending. So I was making like a ton of cash. And um, uh, But the offbeat life really appealed to me because I wanted more freedom and control over my day-to-day life and over my income potential. That is definitely something that a lot of us struggle with when we have a day job that pays a lot and you take that. It feels like a really huge risk and it is to leave that and do something completely different. And you're unsure if you're going to make as much, especially when you don't know what's going to happen. How did you make that transition and prepare yourself for it? Yeah. So, I mean, I have to be honest, it took me years to get up the courage to do that. I was bartending and managing a bar in the Lower East Side in Manhattan. And, you know, working in the service industry affords uh, a creative personality a lot of flexibility. So I was able to take time off at my leisure. You know, I could kind of always adjust working around travel, which is what I was really um, focused on and making building businesses in. And so it was so comfortable for so long. And I think while I was financing my businesses, it was bartending that was doing that. And then at some point I realized that 
bartending was starting to pull me back instead of push me forward. And I just thought to myself, if I don't make the leap, then I'm never going to know if my businesses can be complete businesses or if they will always be hobbies. So I really just had to trust that I could do it and know even if I failed that I could go back to the service industry, you know, and I think that's a huge part of it is like the fear that like, what if you can't return? But I think that the reality is you can sort of always go back to what you're doing, maybe not the exact same job, but the same sort of type of work. So for me, it became like, well, you know, I, I have no other choice but to really, really try. But it felt kind of like swinging from the monkey bars for a long time. And it's like I was dangling from one bar with one hand for a really long time, knowing that I had to reach to the other bar. But that like swing is so scary that, I mean, it took me years. And I do remember thinking like, I'm never going to make as much money. There's no way that I'll ever be able to replace the amount of money that I'm making each week. And that was a lie. (laughs) That was was something I told myself for a really long time. Um, But, you know, now being able to have total control over my schedule, making easily what I was making, you know, in a day, in two hours, it's just, it's the best decision I ever made. That's the also another thing that we are really fearful of. And you talked about fear a lot is first the first step, right? The first step that you're going to take in order to actually either leave that job or starting that business. And then the second thing is a fear of what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And for most of us, the worst thing that's going to happen is we have to find another job or go back to our regular nine to five. So Honestly, it's not really the worst thing. You know, you have a ton of skills and if you have to, you just go back to it. And that's really what's going to happen. So I think we kind of make it scarier than it is. And then that's what stops us from actually going for it. It's so true. I mean, especially and working in service, like it's just really humbling. Like I actually think, you know, I, I was bartending for 10 years before I ever took my business seriously. Like that is an excessively long time, but I liked the work. And, you know, when you're, when you're serving customers, you really learn more about people, right? And so for me, that was the draw. Like I love hearing people's stories. I love getting to know them. I love creating that connection. And, and I've carried that kind of same questioning of people, that same sort of like friendship into business. It's like, for me, it's always about people. It's always about getting to know them and figuring out how to tell stories the best way that I can. And I really am thankful for the service industry for giving me that opportunity. And I also feel like everyone should work in the service industry for at least six months in their life. Like that should be a requirement because you learn how people are treated, you know, how so often service industry members are treated as they're less than for some reason. You learn how people should be treated. You learn, you know, you just learn so much about yourself, your boundaries, everything gets kind of tested in the course of doing that work. And I think that, I think everyone should have to do it (laughs) if they they haven't already. Yeah, it's really something that you can't take for granted once you learn all of those things and you remember that and that's how you treat other people. I actually tried waitressing for like a few weeks when I was like 16 or 17. And I don't know how they do it. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Like people are nuts. (laughs) People are nuts. 
I am a terrible waitress, but I am a hell of a bartender. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. But at some point, you know, it just became, and obviously also working in New York City, you're working until like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So like that schedule started to get too rigorous for me to get up and then work for myself all day and then turn it around. And so yeah, I mean, and I just got tired of pouring shots of fireball to 21-year-olds. To be, you know what I mean? It just became like, okay, I'm ready for more than this. And by this point, you know, I started my initial business, Go Girl Guides, in 2010. So I worked for a long time building that business while also bartending. And then it just, I got to the point where it was like, and this is kind of a, a a pivotal moment that I think every entrepreneur has where it's a, it's sort of a make it or break it. And for me, that came during the Obama administration and I was invited to the White House as one of the top 100 travel bloggers in the world summit. And we were there to talk about study abroad and the importance of study abroad. And like seeing the invitation to the White House in my email inbox as I was behind the bar, like opening the bar, it's New York, right? So there's mice running around behind me. And and I got that email and it was like how, I swear, it was like how Cinderella must have felt, you know, right before the ball. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is, I am on the path. And when I was at the White House with people that I had only ever met online that I, you know, really looked up to with all of my peers, it really gave me a boost of confidence in that, like, this is my, my career has potential there's so much more I could be doing and I need to just keep going down that course. And I, and even after that, it was still like two years before I quit, but I, I held on to that memory. And I do remember coming back, like taking the bus back from DC, back to New York, putting my bar rag back in my back pocket and going to work. And I worked in this like tiny basement dive bar with hardly any natural light. And um, <laughs> I just felt so deflated. I was like, oh, it was, it was it all a dream? <laughs> you know, it was so magical. Um, but I really held on to that. And that was one of the turning points for me that was like, there's more for you here. Just keep following this and don't let easy money persuade you from that. It's amazing once things start to happen, because a lot of times when you're in the middle of everything, you actually don't think that you're going to succeed or maybe there's a lot of obstacles that are coming your way. Because as an entrepreneur, honestly, for me, at least in my experience, like every day, there's always something that is happening and you don't actually see a lot of the progress until something happens. Like with you, Kelly, when the freaking White House contacted you. I know. And I remember because I wrote this as part of the book that I'm writing right now. But I so I I remember this memory so specifically and I had this awesome pizza chef because I, so I worked in this dive bar that also served free pizza with every drink. So I had this pizza chef that I loved and I remember running to him and being like, Rico, 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 I'm going to the White House. And, and I remember us jumping up and down and him being like, what if you get to meet Obama? <laughs> and me just being like, oh my God, what if I get to meet Obama? I didn't. Um, but <laughs> it was just such a moment. And it was sort of like a sign from the universe, you know, it's like everybody that you work with supports this dream, like keep chasing it and don't let yourself be distracted from it. 
When you were looking into the type of business that you wanted to get into to really have more freedom with your life, because honestly, that's what most of us really try to achieve when we want to be location independent and we want to have a business. How did you figure out that starting your blog and this business, what's the right thing for you? So I have a an interesting story as an entrepreneur. My first business actually came to me as a dream in the middle of the night, like literally a dream. <laughs> so I was traveling a lot. A lot of times I was traveling by myself. This was pre-2010, so pre-smartphone. And I remember meeting up with my girlfriends around the world and they would tell me, you know, things that I, like insider grapevine traveler tips, you know, like, oh, this bus station is kind of dangerous at night. And just like things that I couldn't really find in my guidebook. So this was in my subconscious. And then I was working as a journalist, actually. And I had a dream in the middle of the night that I was staring at a guidebook for women. And I could see like the name, the colors of the book, everything. And in my dream, I was going, oh my gosh, this is totally your calling. Like, you have to do it. Now somebody else did it. And I was kind of like kicking myself in my dream. And I completely forgot about that dream until halfway through my um, work day the next day. And I worked for this trade publication and I was an editor there. And I just, I hated the work. I hated the office. I was like fluorescent lights and, you know, a mean owner of a company who would stomp up and down the halls. And I just kept thinking like, something has to be better than this. And I remembered the dream midway through that day. And it was like, this is it. <laughs> so I started Googling. I started Googling travel guidebooks for women. And I was like, surely it's 2010. This is definitely something that's already been done. And I realized in that Google search that nothing was done in that space. There wasn't even a women's travel space. And I started thinking about all the things that my friends would tell me that my guidebooks weren't telling me. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. Like women and men travel differently. I travel differently and I need to, you know, I need resources. And so Right then and there, I decided I was going to quit that job. And literally, you know, three months later, I was in Thailand writing our very first guidebook. And a lot of this was like learning as you go. You know, I had no, there was no women's travel guidebook. There was no women's travel space. So I had to kind of define what do I want to include? You know, I had zero experience in writing a guidebook, zero experience in publishing. And I sort of just had to decide like, okay, if I'm starting from scratch, what would I want? What would I tell my girlfriends? You know, what kind of information, throwing every other model out the window, what would I want my thing to look like? And that's how Go Girl Guides started. So we started as a, a publishing company. We published seven different guidebooks for women specifically in different destinations. And then my career really grew from there. So by becoming the first series of guidebooks for women, you know, I was getting a lot of press pretty organically. And then I went on this big book tour, was talking to women around the world about traveling. And they loved, loved, loved these conversations. And they would want to, you know, stay for hours and pick my brain. And there was this kind of energy that came from swapping travel stories. And so I said, all right, once I moved to New York after this book tour, I said, I'm going to do this in a bigger way. And so that's how I started the Women's Travel Fest which was the world's first travel event for women of that scale. And um, my career has really been of my own making. You know, it's like, hey, why don't I try this out? And like, it takes a lot of 
conquering fear to do all these things. But for me, it's like the FOMO that I would get from chickening out on my own idea is like greater than the fear of creating something and totally sucking at it. (laughs) I think you definitely hit it on the nail on that one. The worst thing is not having to go back to your day job. The worst thing is knowing that you could have done something great or done something that you really loved and you didn't do it because of yourself and because of fear. And, you know, at the end of the day, that nine to five job, that job that makes money will always be there. There's always going to be new companies. There's always going to be other opportunities. But sometimes the things that you have that you can create may not be there anymore and it could be lost. So I think that's even greater than that's why we really have to go forward even if there's a huge fear that's stopping us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I will also say like, there is a big financial component to this. And sometimes people want to know, you know, what that looks like. And for me, it was maxing out a lot of credit cards. (laughs) Like, it wasn't necessarily the best strategy for starting a business, but I needed access to money. And that's how I did it, you know, in those early days. And so it's like, I think people get hung up on the financial bit of it, thinking they have to get investors or they have to you know, grow super, super slowly. And I think for me, it was more just like, I have to do this and I have to do this now. And so that urgency pushed me forward to blast through like any kind of financial concern or barrier that I had. And that continued for a really long time. And like, I won't, I won't lie (laughs) and say that like, we immediately made money. Like we didn't, we carried a loss for quite a while. And the Women's Travel Fest is a expensive conference. I mean, conferences are expensive. And so I learned a lot through the course of starting these things. But that lesson and like those things that I learned are also valuable, you know, and in creating these different businesses that didn't exist previously in a space that didn't exist previously, it put me into a different trajectory when it comes to my career. You know, and it and it gave me the confidence because of the response that it was getting that like I could just keep creating. And so what if something doesn't take as much as the others take, you know, like I can just keep creating. And that is forever my motto. Like I want to just keep creating things (laughs) and doing what you love, which is just amazing when you could do that every single day. Yeah. I mean, and then after the Travel Fest, I just, so I started a, a women's tour company because it was like, hey, I have all these women. We're selling out every year. We're talking about traveling. It's such a, it's such a, you have to come sometime. It's such an amazing conference and community. But then it was like, well, why aren't we traveling? So then I started a women's tour company called Damesley and that continues to grow. And so without knowing it, right? When I had that dream in 2010, without knowing what my path forward would be, and even with the bartending and all the things that I had to do, and you know, the many times that I felt like this isn't going to work, and like I should just give it up and get a regular job, you know, without knowing what my career could be, I had to keep taking those blind steps forward. And I'm so thankful that I did, because, you know, who knows, like, <laughs> what, what I would be doing now. I would, you know. And I would forever kick myself not knowing the full length of that path. And it is still unfolding. So, and that's the most exciting thing I think about being an entrepreneur is like, there's no end to that journey. 
So we all have a what now moment after we take that leap to do what we really want or maybe even leave our nine to five. What was that like for you, Kelly? What did it look like to you and how did you kind of manage that? Oh, God, it was terrible. (laughs) It was honestly terrible. So there's this thing that I have read in, uh, in books that happens sometimes when you leave the safe to go to the unknown. My whole life exploded. My boyfriend and I had a devastating breakup. My grandmother passed. This all happened within like two days. You know, I was homeless, running low on money, had no place to live or go. It was so scary. And I just had to figure it out, you know, and everything just blew up. And I really think that that happens too often when you make a big jump. And it's like the universe is like, do you really want this? You know, like, will you, will you really fight for this? Um, how invested are you? And so, and I, I did a lot of things, you know, I stayed with my aunt for a couple of weeks. I figured it out. I healed. It took me like a few months to heal my heart from the the devastation of all of that, but I never quit working on my business. And little by little, I started to see like, Hey, I made rent this month or like, Hey, I I'm okay. You know, I'm doing it. And that gave me the confidence that like I was actually onto something and it wasn't stupid to quit my job and I could turn this into a full business. And, you know, it's like you have to jump and the net appears, right? So like I wasn't making as much money when I quit bartending, but afterwards, you know, I've been able to hit multiple six figures in revenue. And that's crazy to me (laughs) because it's like, I think it's, I don't know if it's that I just invested and said, Hey, I'm going to do this now. Or if, uh, and then if the universe was like, okay, this is the plan. Or if it's that I could give my, my businesses more of me and more of my time and focus, but whatever it was, I'm thankful (laughs) because it showed me that I could actually do it. But there was certainly six months or so where I was like, am I going to bake it? Am I not? (laughs) And, And it really forced me to recommit over and over and over to that idea. You know what's funny to me, Kelly, is that when we just do the work, when we focus on something, things start to happen, right? But it's also really interesting how we're always so surprised when things start to actually come together. And then you, if you really think about it and sit down, yeah, it makes sense because I did so much work for this and I put so much effort in it that it eventually works out or you learn to pivot when it's not going a certain way. So it's just a matter of putting enough time and energy in it and also learning when you need to pivot or make changes with your business. And that really comes from experience and a lot of blood, sweat and tears. There's yeah. no easy way into it. Totally. But every month that I made rent, and, you know, was living pretty comfortably, I was like, Oh, I I guess I can afford this, you know, (laughs) and it did take me probably another few months to get comfortable with that. And then I really started doubling down, I hired a business coach, who changed the game for me. And I I do remember that investment was so terrifying, like, I didn't know how I was going to afford to pay her, it turned my business completely on its head in the best way, which, you know, having another set of eyes to look at things to be like, why are you doing it this way when you could do it this way? It's just something so simple that you can't see because you're too in it. So I will say the progression of my path was like, come up with the idea, 
work really hard at it and then also at something else to, to stay afloat. Finally let go of that and keep working on your business, then double down and invest in mentoring. Um, and that that was a game changer. Yeah, and that's really something that is hard for us to see, like you said, because we're so into the game that we can't see it from an outside perspective and having the right not just a mentor or a coach, but the right one can definitely change everything for you. So for you, Kelly, when you were first starting out, I know you talked a little bit about this. How much did you actually save to set off and start your business and become location independent? And how are you able to budget that savings to make it last? Yeah, I think when I quit bartending and went full in on my business, I think I had like $2,000. I mean, really not much, but I just knew that I could, I could do it. And I knew I had a stream of revenue coming in and I had a stream of passive revenue coming in. So it just became like, okay, my goal is to focus on the passive revenue and build that up so that it becomes like a main source of revenue. I did have a path forward, but I really didn't have much when I, when I let go. Um, and I just figured, all right, I'll give it a solid year. See how it goes. If I can't do it, I'll go back to bartending. Um, but I haven't looked back since. <laughs> and thank goodness you made that decision, <laughs> right? I know it's so yeah. hard at that moment. But then you think back and you're like, oh, my gosh, thank God I, I made that decision. It was so it's right. Oh, so true. I know. And, you know, it was so funny because it's like I I kept doing things thinking that was the way things had to be, right? So, for example, Women's Travel Fest is a three-day conference normally set in New York City, one of the most expensive cities in the U.S. And I was charging like $250 for tickets. I mean, it's just like crazy, including meals, including parties. And I remember my coach was like, what are you doing? She's like, I just paid $600 to go to a conference in New York last week. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> I just for some reason had it in my head that my community wouldn't pay more. So when I raised my prices to three ninety seven and I sold out faster than ever, it was like a light bulb moment that was like, why am, why am I, just because I'm struggling financially or I have struggled financially doesn't mean the rest of the world does, mm -hmm. you know? And like raising your price point energetically does, does big things. I think just for you, for your community, for the legitimacy of what you're doing. Um, and I do wish that I had done that sooner. <laughs> It would have made a difference. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, when you're starting to do things, you have these preconceived notions, right? Because you think that you're your customer. And then you realize, like, wait a minute, where I am right now is not my ideal customer, you know? And so you move forward based on, like, where you're going in business. And um, I think pricing is a big part of that. So I think if you're listening to this and you're struggling,